Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, y'all? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. And we're going to kick it off with Far Sector number 12 from DC Comics, Uh, written by N.K. Jemisin, art by Jamal Campbell. Well, I put this first because we have been loving this book. This is, I believe, the last issue of the title, wrapping up the story of the only Green Lantern book. Yeah, Yeah, the only Green Lantern book. And I'll tell you what, this uh, issue... I, Joe is to me the the modern Hal Jordan, and this issue it's the really best cements Green it. Lantern. I just, it's such a, a a great take on the the character. It kind of gives it a fresh, and also what's great, the art's leading the way in such a uh, fantastic uh, way. I I love this issue. I just amazing and the the broadcast moment was so amazing and then the the like the shout out to the nerd line with the oath i i i just i can't say enough great things uh i haven't had this much fun green lantern ever so um i i'm just fantastic you really got to check out this book I agree. The art, like with the sort of vaporwave uh, vibe, like all the pinks and greens and, and blues on, and stuff. Like I love that. You don't see that much in comics right now. Um, and uh, just the way that Joe is just such a strong character, strong Green Lantern. Especially right now, I feel like there are so many Green Lanterns like vying for the focus. Like it's time to um, uh, to make Joe GL. Yeah. Love it. Hashtag make Joe GL. Moving on to another end of an era in X-Men number 21 from Marvel, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Nick Dragota, Russell Dodderman, Lucas Wernack, and Sarah Pacelli. I believe this is also Jonathan Hickman's last issue on X-Men. He's not leaving the title or the universe at all. He's just moving on to a new iteration of it while Jerry Duggan takes over this main title here. Uh, I'll say, first of all, Pete, for your sake, I left all of the Hellfire Gala titles out of the stack last week, even though they were great, but I just didn't want to fight about them. I didn't want to argue. Yeah, I didn't want to argue. I wanted you to have a pleasant week. I want to deprive the listeners of good comic books (laughs) so Pete doesn't pitch a fit about the X-Men. Yes, of course. And I'll tell you what, Pete, get get on board with this. I will not. 
This also I it's thought just, was great. I, I love. I, I don't this know what big... good things you can say about it. It's a bunch of people standing around fucking talking. Namor being a fucking complete douchebag like he is. I, I what was good about this comic? The art, great. The art was great. I'll give you that. But like fucking Peace. Cyclops with the fucking shoulder pads and the bullshit. I, I go, go fuck yourself. What did this. you think about the scene, Pete? Where Kevin Feige has Cyclops pitch the X Men to him. That's fun. That was nope. I don't know what uh, your definition of fun is, but like having Kevin Feige be like, "Hey, Cyclops, what's up?" Like, what, what is that happening? Is not here? how he talks. I don't. I wasn't trying to intimidate him or you know impersonate and him. And if he talked like that, it would be okay. It would be. I spoke with the list. <laughs> Kevin a long Feige time. says, "Intimid." I'm intimidated by Pete. Uh yeah. I just, you know, there's the fun people that like the baseball issues where everybody's hanging around at a cookout or whatever. And great. You oh. guys can have fun. This is that this just kind of at a, a stupid gala. Just. Uh, oh, I, you know, just, so can, I, can I just say something really quick? And this is me being legitimate, 100% honest and not trying to do a bit at all. Pete, I think you just hit on why I like this era of X-Men so much is because it's nothing but baseball issues. Exactly <laughs> right. It's nothing but baseball issues. <laughs> I I mean, X, of Swords, X of Swords was one long baseball game, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the uh, I uh, love the moment where Wolverine's got like a bunch of shrimp on her claws and she's like, what, me? Okay, that was cool. Well, that's what I'm saying. That page alone is just amazing art, amazing storytelling. You got... This is the announcement of the new X-Men team. You got just Gambit kissing Rogue on the cheek. Everyone looks so cool. Sunfire standing alone. Wolverine, shrimp on the claws. Sink with skin, giving him this huge hug with this huge emotional face. And then Polaris looking austere. Like, it's just great storytelling. You don't like it for the reasons you don't like it. But if you can look beyond them, see past your hatred of Cyclops just because he's got a cool new visor, Pete. Get on board. No way, man. It, it, these issues of X-Men are very exciting. It feels like a solid reset. All the cameos uh, are weird in this book. Um, yeah, it was, it's like Patton Oswalt's in there. There's a well, bunch of Patton like, Oswalt I, and his uh, wife, Mer- Merida Salinger, who I believe yeah. passed away, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a uh, lovely tribute. Yeah, that is nice. That's a nerd tribute. Patton deserves that. And rest in peace uh, for your wife. Sorry for your loss. Uh, but you know, <laughs> like nice. I would like to get, well, I would like to get some good. Guy. But I would but like to fuck get, you for being at this X Men party. <laughs> I I'm not mad at them. It's a very cool shout out. If I was bad, I'd be losing my mind. I'm in an X Men comic. That's fantastic. But I just what's happening right now with X Men is very cool for some people. But I really just can't wait for it to be over. I mean, honestly, the biggest problem is that George R. R. Martin is here in the X Men party when should, he should be back writing, uh, writing Game of Thrones books. Yeah, I, I mean, mean Kevin I actually Feige's... think uh, maybe Meredith Salinger is alive. <laughs> yeah, you, his the, his the wife that died and his current wife look alike, and okay. I think that's the wife that is oh, alive. Okay, okay, that's oh. on me. <laughs> yeah. I like that you knew you made a mistake and immediately looked it up. One hundred percent. Hilarious. Oh God! Because when oh, you said that, I was like, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it's fucked up. If they put his dead wife in the comic. Yeah, it was just... I thought it was a tribute to her. I'm That's sorry. very sweet. If it was, it's Kevin, a tribute. Oh, a tribute Kevin to her Feige, is sort though. of a shot across the bow of the current wife. 
<laughs> Kevin Feige, though, definitely talks like this. Yeah, good. <laughs> You're definitely cutting this part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should edit <laughs> I'm this out, right? This entire podcast. Oh, great, yeah. great. Birthright number 50 from Image Comics, written by Joshua Williamson, art by Andre Bresson. We had Josh on the, the live show this week, so definitely check that out. But this is wrapping up another big run. In this case, it's Image Comics Birthright. Justin, over to you. I love this book. I've loved this book from the jump. And, uh, Joshua Williamson has been able to do just like have this meticulous, great victory lap of an ending where he gets to really say goodbye to all the characters individually. And uh, here we get to see what here we get to see. I'm just thinking about how fucked up that mistake I made was. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're leaking it into this next review. Uh, In this comic, we get to see. Also, was it Mark Maron? Was that Mark Maron at the at the? It was Mark Maron, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. (laughs) Here you are trying to get us to talk back about X Men again. You don't make any sense. You are a human version of the X Men baseball game. (laughs) Oh come on, man! That's you. this comic is great. Was it Eminem with the hood on? I didn't know. With the baseball cap, I wasn't Hard sure. to tell. I mean, okay. weird choice either way. Yeah. Uh, we get to see Mikey really coming to terms with everything he's been through. And the way the issue ended, I won't spoil it. And honestly, we did spoil it on the live show. Um, yeah, but it is really sweet. And it really, like, it brings the story to a close in a way I didn't expect, yet feels totally uh, appropriate. Uh, yeah, I just want to say, like, kudos to Justin. He called it early on this book. Uh, for me, it, like, took a little bit to, like, really understand the compass of everything that was happening. But I am so happy that uh, I uh, l- listened to Justin and got on board with this book because Holy you want to talk about, like, an unbelievable <laughs> ride with just such an unbelievable payoff and, like, the emotions, uh, there was so much action, so much great stuff. And then just like the way it ended was so touching. And to hear, you know, uh, him talk about the way it paralleled his life, really fantastic. Really good. It was a great I interview. Mean, I mean, yeah. I guess when it, what it comes down to is a broken clock is right twice a day. Mm. <laughs> right, Pete? I want to ask you guys a question about birthright. And just to be clear, Pete's the broken clock in this analogy. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've already reached <laughs> maximum amount of embarrassment here, so I feel perfectly comfortable asking you guys this question that I did not feel comfortable asking Josh on the live show. <laughs> did you Did you yeah. think yeah. the oh, entire yeah, time okay. that this comic book... That is uncomfortable. Yeah, yes. it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. Freezing is one of those things that's very uncomfortable. You so I'm you glad did you, you think that... By the end of this book, Mikey would become small again. (laughs) (laughs) Like a big. You're talking about a big situation. I thought it was going to be a big. I'll tell you what. That's not a crazy thing to think. Okay. Um, That would have been a. That's not an insulting question. Because he could have debigged. That's one way to do it. He chose. It sort of undercuts a little bit of the whole thing. Yeah, definitely does. (laughs) Like all of the emotional intensity of the last issue. He's just wearing big pants. He's like, hey, I guess I'm not the chosen one. I'm just a dumb kid. (laughs) Anyway, great title. Moving on to another one from one of our guests from the live show this week. Wonder Woman number 773 from DC Comics, written by Becky Cloonan, Michael W. Conrad, Jordi Belair, art by Travis Moore and Paulina Ganachow. As we talked about on the live show, this run is so good. I loved how this first arc wrapped up. Spoiler warning here, but we wrap up this Asgard arc and we move into Olympus, which has been wrecked at the end here. 
normally I think this would be a little bit of a bummer to me because like we were talking about on the show, they've gotten away from the Olympus stuff so well in this run, but given how much they twisted things, given how much they built up with the characters here in this arc here, man, I'm really psyched for the second arc. I thought this was great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can like, uh, first off loved, Love the moment where it's like the women are talking here. Like that was unbelievable. The Thor punch and crushing his hammer was hilarious. Um, you know, like the dude hookup was okay, but man, I, I really, I, just the callback to the doctor psycho. I, I love what's going on here. And I, I'm glad that we're kind of getting a, a new wonder wonder woman and they're not afraid to do stuff with her. So I, I'm couldn't be happier with, with what's going on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, to your point, Alex, like the fact they're going back to Olympus, if I'm not worried because they've proven they can tell great original stories with, with Wonder Woman. And I feel like whatever they do on Olympus is going to be interesting and different. Um, and I said this in the podcast. I love that Wonder Woman has a romance. I love all the sort of big swings they took in the series. Like, I really like this Diana. I can't wait to read more. Uh, Justin, real quick, uh, can you turn up the frog sound effect on your end? I'm barely getting it. You know what I no, mean? Uh, it, I am in uh, the woods, and there's a pond here. I, the window is closed, but the frogs are falling in love. Tonight. Oh, man. Very it's nice. Real tadpoles of plenty. Let's move on and talk about six sidekicks. Number one from Image Comics, written by Kyle Starks, art by Chris Schweizer. I was pretty excited about this, mostly because I really like Kyle Starks' writing a lot. His titles have been very, very fun, and I've enjoyed following them. This one, as the title implies, is about six sidekicks who join together after the star of their show dies. He's sort of a... Oh, my God. Who's the... Is it douchey star? No, no, no. I'm completely blanking on the name of the star. The guy who the joke is that he's unbeatable and he can do anything. He has a beard. He was in kung fu movies. Uh, I mean, that's most action stars. You're You're talking about Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Thank you. It's a very Chuck Norris type, except he's a total asshole. And they were all partners. One of them starts to investigate his potential murder. I thought this was very fun, a really good setup. Um, I like this book quite a bit. What did you guys think? Yeah, I thought uh, the the art was great. Um, you know, I agree. Like, a fun. They spent a great, uh, perfect amount of time on each little character to kind of set things up. The story moves really quickly. Uh, yeah, I really thought the, the style and the storytelling worked well. I thought it does a great job. It's kind of a first issue, getting you excited for more. It sort of has a little bit of Scott Pilgrim flavor in its structure, mm. and uh, I appreciate that, and they are. Um, uh, it's a fun book. I agree. Next up, The Joker, number four from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV and Sam Johns, art by Gillen March and Mirka Andalfo. What's that, You're frozen? <laughs> what? I just, just heard a couple tiny syllables there. Oh, okay, great. Uh, the Joker, number four from DC Comics, written by James Town the fourth and Sam Johns, art by Gillam March and Mirka Andalfo. This is bringing Commissioner Gordon to the Joker's stronghold, and things are very rapidly falling apart as the new Bane attacks, as well as other people. As usual, the Joker gets the upper hand in a devious and diabolical way. This title is so good. I love it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I really love the art. And we also kind of 
get a little bit of Joker's plans here, which is cool. You don't usually kind of get uh, a kind of Joker talking about his plans or kind of like a little bit uh, of him talking about it. So I really thought that that was a nice kind of thing, but also like his callback to the joke of like what's black and white and red all over was really fantastic. Yeah. I, and I like the new Bane and a newspaper. It, okay. Oh, French class. Uh, I get it. The uh, uh, I think this book has done a great job of paying off the initial premise where it's like Jim Gordon versus the Joker. Jim Gordon dipping his f- foot in darkness and uh, really facing it. And that's what we see. We see that even Joker's like, Jim, you've really dipped your foot into darkness here. And it's like they're really like they're playing with all the, the same materials. And I, I really like that. Yeah, Our foot fight. dipped in darkness, an expression that we all know. Next up, The Good Asian <laughs> Number 2 from Image Comics, written by Pornsack uh, Pindishot, art by Alexandre Tevengi. You, Pete, have really been liking this book quite a bit. Uh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, uh, so we're just getting this, like, it, it's all heartbreaking and just amazing story about, like, this detective And I love the fact that, like, using the colors and, like, little kind of, like, boxes, we get kind of, like, uh, into his brain and how he's piecing things together in such a smart, cool way. I think this is really just fantastic storytelling, unbelievable art. I'm just, uh, I've just been so impressed with every, there's only been two issues, but just the first and second issue here. And then we kind of get, like, this unbelievable villain who, like, is, you know, kind of like a almost like a, uh, um, uh, mascot type of thing. It's, it's creepy and fantastic in all the right ways. And I, and I can't, uh, say enough about the coloring and the paneling. It's just really cool. Yeah. It's a real, this book shows off a real like understanding of different eras in comic books. Like I, I love the sort of art deco design, the film noir aspects. It reminds me of a comic book that I love from back in the day called terminal city. But I think Dean Motter, uh, really fun stuff. Next up, Rorschach number nine from DC Comics, written by Tom King, art by Jorge Fornes. In this issue, we're really getting to the meat of the mystery of everything that's been going on as our main detective goes back to the farmhouse where the new quote unquote Rorschach and his <laughs> cowgirl assistant, quote unquote, nice. still a little unclear, uh, made their plans to kill a, pretend, a potential president of the United States. Um, this is. In my mind, I would say kind of a lesser issue of the series, but oh, even really? that is very good. Well, it, it feels like this is the one that's starting to unfold things. And it's funny that this comes right after the issue where we start to unfold things in strange adventures that, in my mind, knocked it out of the park. Here, this is a very slow unfolding. We still have a lot of information to go, um, but it's not... Like last issue, the parallel structures, the three parallel structures we went through were so impressive and so well done. Here, this still was very good. Dave Stewart's coloring is gorgeous throughout, um, but uh, it didn't hit me in exactly the same way. You didn't like the um, sort of the comparison, the Rorschach versus comedian stuff that was. Yeah, I I did like that. That was good. Yeah, so shut the fuck up. I thought that was such a nice sort of uh, line to put the characters on and really added a little bit of philosophy to the Watchmen universe that hasn't been, I haven't seen in a while. And then the 
the, I hate to use this comparison, sort of boondock saints style uh, breakdown of the crime scene that happened in the back half of the issue, I thought was uh, well done here. And um, I like this issue. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where I, I don't know what's going on, but that's kind of where we started and where we still are. And it, what's impressive that is that it's not bothering me. It's it's such an interesting story, and they're putting such uh, things on the table that I'm not like it. I'm not. It's not driving me insane. So that really says a lot about how good the writing and the art are. And I'm excited to see how this is all going to come together and how it's all going to unfold. So uh, I hear what you're saying, uh, Salvin. There were uh, some things in the last issue that were really cool, but still, this is still such an enjoyable story that I'm not going to shit on it. I also think the way that the, the end of the issue positions the characters here where they, they're villains, but they think they're doing the right thing for sort of the quote unquote right person. And like, I think that says a lot about the way we take in information in our current society. And I, I love that little turn there. And I wanted to really thank you, Pete, because I always try to pull little quotes from our reviews that we can kind of tweet at the writers if they want to use it for the collected editions or anything. So I don't don't know if uh, we do quote. This is not bothering me. I I think (laughs) definitely going to set that out. Next up, Geiger number three from Image Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Gary Frank. This is, of course, the third issue following this new title where a radioactive man is in a wasteland. We get a flashback here showing how he finds out the most devastating truth about his entire life. And then we flash back to the future or the present, I guess, our present in this comic book where he is potentially going to help two kids get out of a serious scrape. Pete, you like this one quite a bit. Talk about it. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, am very much enjoying this book. Uh, also, what's fun about the flashback is he's still got a dog with uh, two heads, a wolf dog with two heads. Uh, it doesn't get explained. It's just like, yeah, that's uh, that's how this guy rolls, regardless of what's going on in the time. Uh, but yeah, I think this is just a really cool design of a hero and i i love every time this guy kind of glows and kind of goes to thrash bad guys i am not tired of it and i want more i think it's a very cool interesting story a badass effect and uh, i'm having a lot of fun and then the pansy ass king and gold there uh, also was enjoyable i hope he gets his uh, comeuppance this feels like classic action figure style yeah. comic book uh, writing and art where it's just like, we've got this super cool guy. He's in yeah. this like fucked up situation. Let's have these guys bounce off each other. Um, so that's uh, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Next up, The Secret Land, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Christopher Umgard, art by Tomas Aria. This is set during World War II, I believe, uh, and it's about a couple. They get separated. The main woman is a scientist. She gets taken to an Arctic research station by Nazis. Guess what? They're trying to open a portal of hell or something like that. And that's where we kind of pick up. This really grew on me over the course of the issue, I got to say. I wasn't quite sure where it was going in the first half. But as it built and layered in the relationships and the weirdness and the uh, horror or fantasy or whatever we're heading towards, I started to dig it a little more. What did you guys think? The art has such a classic look to it. It really felt like um, that's what stuck out to me the most. And the way the the sort of colors uh, really... 
Like, it has all these sort of warm tones, but it's like dealing with ice-cold hell shit. Um, so um, they aren't really pop for me. And I, I, I like the story. I think I want to know what the whole deal is with hell. Yeah, I think it's so like What a, is the deal with hell? As far as... Well, a, we'll find out eventually. <laughs> as far as like a first issue sure. goes... I think it was uh, kind of a cool setup, really gave us a lot of information of like what's going on, what the characters are going through. So I feel like uh, it did a great job. Uh, Art, I agree with Justin, was very, uh, had a a very unique style, which was uh, drew me in. So, yeah, I think they did a good job and I'm, I'm excited to check out what happens next. Hey, can we make a deal, guys? If we're not married by the time we're 30, let's all meet in hell. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you there, buddy. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much where we're headed. So <laughs> yeah. we're on track. Okay. <laughs> we're on track. We missed that 30, uh, mm-hmm. you know, deadline. But, you know, other than that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Carbon number four from Image Comics by Gillen March. Big Gillen March day. This is... I thought this was going to be kicking off the second arc of this title, but it's actually continuing the story of our death figure and the woman that is maybe being ferried to the underworld. Not entirely clear. Um, I still like this quite a bit, and I love the mythology that they're building up here. I think we all really clicked into this title with the third issue. How would you feel about the fourth one? I, I really liked it. Yeah, I didn't have an issue with it still being in the same arc at all. Uh, I think that this was, I, I like to see the kind of main character kind of reporting to her boss a little bit. Um, and like what kind of like fleshing out what her job is a little bit more. Um, but then like the kind of whole phone call situation and like her, when she kind of, uh, touches people, like how she gets like flashes their lives is very interesting. I mean, I'm glad that she's wearing a little bit more clothes, uh, but man, this is just like it. The the story is just it's, it's kind of pulling you in more and more with each one. And I, I from where it started to where it is now, it's really awesome and impressive. I really didn't think I would be so invested in what kind of started out as just like a tripped out naked woman floating around. Yeah, I mean, it, it used a lot of dream logic um, to get into these sort of metaphysical aspects about life um, and the way the art gets to sort of parallel that or sort of create those images for us as we're reading it. I feel like it really pulls you in to the story and the story is a little dense. It's very like the, the sort of narrative part is sort of wordy and everything. So the visuals really help to, to pull you through all the, the larger story points. I feel like. Next up, Wind, number one from Boom Studios, written by James Tynan IV, art by Michael Dianalysis. Uh, This is picking up the second arc for this one, I believe. Wait, did I just say Wind number one? It's not Wind number one. It's Wind number seven. Seven, there you go. Ones and sevens look very similar, you guys. Sure, sometimes. I've never noticed that. Hmm. Uh, Seven's just like a one with a little hat. Anyway, they're fighting vampires. What'd you think? (laughs) Yeah, I think the art is just really just I love each character and the way they're kind of like uh, designed and kind of put out there. Their facial expressions is really uh, unique to each character and I very much enjoy it. Um, yeah, I mean, we get, we kind of get a little bit of like bad, bad guys attacking, like trying to kind of get people healed up and on to the next thing. 
but the heart of it really is uh, what makes you kind of feel it. Uh, yeah, I'm having such a great time on on this book. I feel like Jamestown in the Fourth is really like building out his fantasy world with this issue um, and making this a world that it seems like he really wants to explore for a while. Like I could really see this being a uh, an epic, a lot like Birthright that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Last but not least, Black Hammer Visions number five from Dark Horse Comics, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero. In this issue, we're getting Skull Face, Skull Boy, whatever his name is. Oh Basically, God. this like very Batman style figure romancing a very Catwoman slash Poison Ivy type figure. Uh, and great. Every issue of this is great. It's really good. I, I like it's the more Catwoman than anything, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if those are actually viable comparisons, but I do think they that pretty viable. Yeah. Yeah, pretty viable. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's skull guy is, is really different than Batman, but whatever. Bats have uh, skulls. Oh, he's got you there. That's, you know what that is? That's a, that's yeah, case but he doesn't wear a skull on the outside. You know what I mean? He wears well, he has a skull on, on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, Just like Batman has a Batman has a bat on the inside, and, and on the outside as well. Mm. Uh, but uh, I, all that aside, <laughs> I have a skull on the inside. The the art <laughs> and the paneling. Is just fantastic. It kind of reminds me a little bit of a Sin City vibe where it's like the colors are really telling the story of what's going on. They're really taking their time and making the panel kind of layouts a big part of it. And I, and they're leaning into it in all the right ways. I think this is a beautiful uh, book and uh, uh, I think the storytelling is very cool and touching. This city, all these bones in disguise, is faces and meat and stuff. I gotta get all the bones. I'm By the way, how are the you're doing rewrites on? Uh, I was gonna make a joke, but he froze. Frog, yeah, uh, more frogman than bowman. I was I was gonna make a really good joke. I know, oh, really. Do it. How is the notes going on Robert Pattinson's Batman movie, Justin? <laughs> wow. Oh, are you making a callback to another joke that we've done? I'm not sure. Yeah, I got you. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com. I gotta say, oh, I gotta say some stuff about it. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, he was not frozen. only is this book great, but I think this series is truly a snapshot of the top comics creators in the industry right now. This series specifically, the people, the talent they've selected, the way that this these issues come together, and the way they're able to tell stories that are about Black Hammer, but also commenting the way that Black Hammer does on sort of larger superhero uh, themes and characters. Like, this is really one of the best titles out there right now. People gotta read it. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at uh, to Crowdcast and YouTube at 7 p.m. Come check it out. We love to talk about comic books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Yeah! I'm going to dip my foot in the darkness tonight. <laughs> oh, my God.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.